Good morning, Restoration Church. Excellent, excellent. You know, this is, uh, this is fun. This is our ninth week. We are nine weeks old today. And the cool thing with our nine-week birthday, I don't know if you can call it that, nine-week anniversary, whatever it is, uh, there's some cool things in that this past week, we had our first baby born, which is very exciting. And uh, I love babies. My wife and I, we've had five of them. So, you know, if you need someone to hold the baby in the middle of the message, I may just volunteer myself to do that. It's exciting to have the first baby born. It's exciting to have uh, our first wedding. I don't know if you've had the chance to get to know the Bellamy's, uh, but uh, they are just a neat couple. And uh, it was exciting to be a part of that ceremony yesterday. Uh, I know many of you were there. Thank you for being there for that. And as exciting as a younger man who's only, we've got, I don't know, like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years of marriage under our belt, something like that. It's awesome to look forward to people who've been there for 52 years and say, God, we're going for 52 years. So that's exciting. It's, uh, it's a fun week. It's fun to be a part of restoration and uh, exciting to see what God is doing here. So I got a question for you as we start out. Let me just introduce myself. My name is Pastor Kevin, and if I haven't met you, I look forward to meeting you today. We're glad you're here with us, uh, glad you're visiting with us if you're new to us. So when you hear the word unstoppable, what comes to your mind? When you hear the word unstoppable, what is it that rings in your mind? Maybe it's 52 years of marriage. That's pretty unstoppable. You know what? Dan, if she hasn't learned to put up with you after 52 years, I don't know what I can do for you. I don't know what can be done. But what comes to your mind when you hear the word unstoppable? Some people will think about our country. Some people will look at the direction of our country and say it's unstoppable. And depending on which side of the aisle you sit on, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. If you're a sports fan, you might be thinking of that team that was unstoppable. I heard all this talk heading into the NBA playoffs that the Miami Heat were supposed to be the unstoppable team. But as of last night, they have now tied their... You probably have no care about this, but I do. As of last night, they now have tied the series with the Indiana Pacers, and so it's three games to three games. So we may see the Miami Heat be stoppable. You know, certainly when you talk about the word unstoppable, you don't think of the Seattle Mariners for some reason. I don't know why you don't think of the, the Mariners. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> What else comes to your mind with that word unstoppable? If you're, uh, uh, if you're a movie buff, you might think of that Denzel Washington movie, Unstoppable, with the freight train, and it's going to smash into things if Denzel and some other guy don't stop it. We watched that one, I think. I don't know, maybe. Uh, movie Unstoppable. If you're a parent, if you're a parent, you hear that word unstoppable, and you think of a two-year-old. And my two-year-old, who just keeps going and going and going and then I think about my niece. I have a niece, and I'm not going to mention her. She's not here today, which is good, so I can... Uh, you know, she's a teenager, and you might say a teenager is pretty unstoppable as well. I've not had teenagers yet. I like to keep my kids little, but I sometimes you kind of get the feel that teenagers, they just don't stop. I don't know. I don't know. For some of our um, seasoned, uh, mature folks in the audience today, uh, you might say the only two unstoppable things out there are death and taxes. Am I right? Am I right? Those are the true unstoppable forces in, in, in the world. Well, here in the book of Acts, we've studied here in the book of Acts the past eight weeks. And I hope that you've seen that the mission of God, God's mission, 
is the true unstoppable force in the universe. As God set out and said, this is what we're going to be about. He said, as Christians, as a church, we're going to be. And he gave us this, this mission in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, he said the mission is to, the way that we say it, there's many ways to say it, but the way that we say for God's mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. And we see that this mission is a true, unstoppable force. The mission of God is unstoppable. And as we've seen so far through these first four and a half chapters of Acts, we've seen repeatedly how the mission of God is unstoppable. No matter what Satan tries to put in the path of the church, the mission of God is what? Unstoppable. And it's not just recorded in the book of Acts. God's mission is still in force today. God's mission is still active today, 2,000 years later, and it is still unstoppable. It's been fun as, as God has put Restoration Church on Samantha and my, uh, my heart over a year ago. It's been fun looking at all the things that God has done to bring this church to existence. And we can look and we can say the mission of God in planning Restoration Church, man, it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. God continually to move in ways that we can't explain other than saying that God's mission is unstoppable. And so today in Acts chapter 5, we're going to look and see again that the mission of God is truly unstoppable. We'll see that last week Satan attacked the church from within the church in an effort to stop the work of the church, and it failed. And now, today in Acts chapter 5, we're going to see how Satan tries to stop the mission of knowing Christ and making Christ known again. Yet, despite the persecution, despite the trials, the mission of God is still unstoppable. And this is going to be our last week in the book of Acts. Next week, we're going to begin a new series on the book of Jonah. And it's going to be a great series. It's a whale of a story. So I hope you'll be here to check that out. But I want us to, I want us to finish this series in Acts well. We may come back to Acts at another point to finish the other uh, 23 chapters, 22 chapters. But I want us to finish well today so that we know that the mission of God, the mission that God has given Restoration Church, it is unstoppable. I want us to be able to walk out of here today knowing that no matter what, God's mission is going to come and going to occur. So if you have a Bible today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we've got some ushers in the back. If you just put your hand up, we'll get a Bible into your hands. Uh, my goal is that you take that Bible home with you. Let that be our gift to you. And um, we, we would love to put that in your hands. So we're in Acts chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verse, starting in verse 12. We're going to read 30 verses, so you're going to have to bear with me. Acts chapter 5, uh, starting verse 12. And it says this. Now many signs and wonders were done regularly, done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, for the people held them in high esteem. And more... Then ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they carried out even the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, 
they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel and sent them to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came in and told them, look, the man whom you put in prison, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain and the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, and you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. And God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee, in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put them outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theudas arose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. And he too perished. And all the, who followed him were scattered. And so in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. You might even be a found opposing God. So they took his advice. And they called in the apostles, and they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ. It's God's word for us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to open up your word today. That we can read and say, God, give us understanding. God, we thank you that you have allowed us to be in a country that we're able to come together and worship you and say your name without threat. Lord, I pray that as we come and learn from this passage today, God, I pray that you would give us understanding. I pray, God, that your spirit would fill us and give us ears to hear and hearts to listen. Lord, I pray for those that are coming in today with burdens, with weights that they're carrying. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them and you would draw them to yourself today. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. So to understand this context, let me summarize a little bit of where we studied last week because that's important to understand. Last week, we studied how Luke gave this great summary statement of what the church, uh, what the early believers looked like uh, when they came to Christ. We learned how uh, in their new faith in Jesus, it gave them a new love for people. And it freed them from the love of things. It freed them from the love of money. 
This was evidenced by they voluntarily sold their, their property and they gave the proceeds to the church so that the church could meet the needs of the people and the church could continue of the mission of knowing Christ and making Christ known. And then Luke gave us two examples. The positive example of Barnabas, who sold a property and gave the proceeds to the apostles. But then Luke also gave us the bad example of the hypocritical Ananias and Sapphira, who sold a property and lied and said that they gave all of the proceeds to the church when they really held a portion back for themselves. And this story of Ananias and Sapphira became the first example of church discipline. And the result of this discipline, when Christ took their life, God took their life right then and right there. The, exam, the, the result of this discipline was great fear and respect, and respect coming upon all who had heard of what had happened. And so today, where we're going with this passage today, I want to point out three ways that Jesus impacts the watching world around them. Three ways that the mission of God and Jesus impacts the world around, uh, around them. Uh, then we'll look at four specific ways that God's mission is still continues today and is still unstoppable. So let's start out, and I want you to look at verse 13 with me. Verse 13 says that none of the rest joined them, referring to the unbelievers. And can you blame them? When they're talking about the watching world, they're saying they're looking at the church, looking at this example of Ananias and Sapphira, and says none of the rest were willing to join them. Can you blame them? After what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, you see the impact of Jesus on the watching world was that it, is a tr- it, a- it attracted attention and fear over the people. This isn't a fear like they were afraid of the church or afraid of the Christians, but a fear referring to a, a great respect. They highly esteemed. With the example of Ananias and Sapphira, the watching world looked at the church and they took heart. They realized we can't just play church. We can't just play God. Our relationship with Jesus, it can't be a casual encounter. It's all or it's nothing. I think here, through the example of Ananias and Sapphira, I see the church being purified. We see the real being separated from the fake, the authentic from the hypocrites. Either you're with God or you're not. You can't have two feet on both sides where I'm going to play and follow God a little bit, but I'm also just going to kind of do my own thing because I don't want to give everything to God. And, and when it says that they, they uh, when it says that none of the rest joined them, it meant that they realized, you know what, we can't do both ways. We're either we're in or we're out. We can't play the church. But despite the fear and respect of the watching world, the second impact of Jesus meant that new believers were added to the church community. In verse 14, it says that more believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. You see, it's worth noting as we study in the book of Acts, the first time we read that there was a great number of people that came to the the Lord and got saved and became part of the church, we learned that it was 3,000 people. And then Luke said there was about 5,000 people who came and were added to the church. And now, here in verse 14, Luke can't even count. It can't keep track of all the people that are coming to know the Lord. And despite what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, there are still new people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being added to their number. This is showing that the power of God is on the move. There's motion. Even with what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, the mission of God is not being stopped. 
more and more people are coming to know Christ as their Savior because the mission of God is unstoppable. But did you see the other impact of Jesus on the watching world? If you look at verse 17, it says, The high priest and all who are with him, which was the ruling council, it says that they were filled with jealousy. You see, the third impact of Jesus on the watching world was that the religious crowd was filled with jealousy. Now, this jealousy was not a jealousy for God's honor. This was not a, a jealousy for the advancement of the kingdom. Rather, these religious people, they were jealous for retaining their own influence and their own power. These religious leaders could not get beyond their wounded pride that the, the, the disciples, the new church, was, was gaining the attention, garnering the attention, and drawing new people and taking the people away from them. And so these religious leaders could not get beyond their wounded pride to consider that the power of God that they were witnessing it right before them. I mean, God's doing these miraculous things. God is healing people. God is bringing people to the church. And, and people are getting saved. And these religious leaders, man, they can't even see the power of God in front of them. Because all they are concerned about is I'm losing my own power. I'm losing my influence. And I'm jealous of what God is doing through the church. And because of that jealousy, in an effort to stop the apostles and retain their own influence and power, man, they had to do something to put a stop to this making Christ known from spreading into all the world. And so they had all the apostles, all 12 of the apostles arrested and thrown into jail. See, this is Satan's plan of attack. Satan says, I've got to do something now to stop the church from spreading. I've got to do something to stop the mission of God. Last week, Satan tried to use hypocrites to distract the church and to slow down the mission of God. And we saw that that couldn't stop the mission. And now Satan is trying to put it into the, the, the religious folks to arrest Peter and John. And maybe if we take the leaders away, maybe if, maybe if we put the leadership in trouble, maybe that will stop the mission of God from spreading. But the mission of God is unstoppable. And so we see in verses 19 through 21, we see the first way that the mission of God is unstoppable. It says the mission of God is unstoppable through divine intervention. We read in verses 19 through 21 that an angel shows up and he opens the doors to the jail and he brings the apostles out. And when the angel releases them, he immediately sends them right back out onto the mission of knowing Christ and making Christ known. He says, go right back into the temple courts. Go right back out there and tell the people the full message of this new life. When he says, tell the people the full message, this means tell the whole story. Don't hold anything back. He says, I know that you were just put in jail for preaching about Jesus and preaching about salvation through Jesus Christ alone. He says, go back out with that same message. Don't hold anything back. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Keep preaching the very same thing that got you thrown into jail. And God sends the angel to release the apostles so that we can see that the mission of God is unstoppable. And God still does the same thing today. There are times that God uses divine intervention to allow the mission of God to continue. And I just want to say, this might be a good word for some of you in here today. For some of us in here today, this is what God needs to tell us. Perhaps we were once on mission with God. We were following God and making Christ known in the world around us. 
We were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the lost world. Maybe we were serving in church. We were serving in a ministry at the church. Maybe God was even calling us to be on the front lines of his mission. But something happened. It got hard. It got rough. It cost so much of ourselves to stay on mission with God. Or maybe we messed up once or twice along the way. We no longer serve as we once did. Maybe this is God's word for you today. Maybe God is telling you that he's opened the prison doors. Maybe he's telling you, I've opened the prison doors and I am sending you right back out onto mission. Maybe God is saying to you, you're just like the apostles. You've been bound up, but God is opening the prison doors and he's calling you back onto mission. He's calling you back to serve. There's nothing holding you back. Because just like the angel came to the apostles and said, you know what, I've opened the prison doors and I'm sending you back. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe God wants to send you right back into the church. Maybe God wants you to commit to serving right here through Restoration Church to help us to know Christ and to make Christ known in the Yakima Valley. Maybe that's God's word for you today. Now this story as it continues, it's kind of funny actually as it continues through verses 21 through 29. It says the next day that the high priest and the rulers, they're getting ready for court. And they asked the guards to bring the prisoners in. And I picture the guards, <laughs> I picture them going to the prison and finding out the apostles. I kind of picture, you got to picture what the guards, I kind of picture the three stooges, you know. You kind of picture the three stooges kind of figuring out who's going to go and tell the court what happened. You know, I, I don't know. I, that's just what I picture. But Larry, Curley, and Mo, And um, so while the, so... The guards, they figure out who's going to be the sucker to tell the high priest the news. And they say, you know, the courts, they hear this news. Uh, the, the prisoners aren't there. The apostles, they're gone. We don't know where they are. You know, the guards were there. They were guarding an empty cell. But the guards were there. The prison was there, but nobody was there. And so the courts are trying to figure out what happened. And, and they're, they're trying to figure out, what does this mean? And somebody runs in and says, hey, I was just out of the temple. And there's 12 guys at the temple, and they're preaching about Jesus. And these 12 guys, man, they sure look like the guys that you put in, in, in jail yesterday. He said, it sure looks like those same guys. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're messed, but it sure looks like they're the same guys. And so, so the captain of the officers, this is kind of the, the, the head guy of the officers. He, he goes out and talks to the apostles. And notice in verse 26, it says he couldn't take them by force. Man, after God just released them miraculously from prison, he says, you know, we can't just arrest them again. So I, I picture the high priest, or, or excuse me, the captain of the guard, I picture him kind of walking up and saying, you know, you know, pretty please, pretty please, would you come with me and go back to court? I mean, you just kind of picture this idea of, you know, we really would like to have a conversation with you, but I can't force you to come because if I do, who knows where you're going to end up this time. So finally, they're in court. And the high priest begins his interrogation. And in verse 28, he says, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. He says, I, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Whose name is it? See, the high priest won't even say the name of Jesus. He just says, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. He says, we charge you not to teach in this name, yet you are filling the city with your teaching. And he says, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. He, say, he says, he won't even say the name of Jesus. 
The high priest has such hatred, he won't even say the name. But do you realize the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ? Acts chapter 2, verse 38, says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 3, 6, Acts 3, 6 says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Acts 4.10 says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. You see, it's all about the name of Jesus. It's all about this name of Jesus. This high priest, he's a religious guy. By all means, he's religious. He believes in God. (laughs) But being religious isn't enough. He doesn't know Jesus Christ. First Timothy says that we have one mediator between God and man. And that is a Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. And, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, it is all about the name of Jesus. And here the high priest can't even say his name. And do you see what the high priest accuses the apostles of? In verse 28, the high priest says, He says, you intended to bring this man's blood upon us. He says, you know, you apostles, you're blaming us for Jesus' death. You're blaming us for Jesus' death. And the apostles are like, well, duh. Well, duh. Write this down in your Bible. If you have a Bible, write this down next to that verse in verse 28. If you have your neighbor's Bible, write it down in their Bible. Matthew 27, 25. Matthew 27, 25. Jesus is standing before Pilate. And the crowd has been chanting, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate says, man, I, uh, Pilate says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. He hasn't done anything wrong. Verse 25 of Matthew 27 says, all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. See, so now a couple months later, these religious folks, they've had a little time to think about it. And it's kind of simmered on them. It's kind of eating at them. And they no longer want this man's blood on their shoulders. They no longer want to be responsible for what happened to Jesus. So with the court's opening statement, I want you to see that Peter and the apostles, they don't defend themselves as we would expect them to do in court. They don't stand up and say, this is how we're innocent. No. Actually, what we see is they boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. Number two for us today The mission of God is unstoppable through the filling of the Holy Spirit and the bold proclamation of Jesus. Peter and the apostles are standing in court. They've just been interrogated by the high priest. And now they have an opportunity to say, what are we going to say? Are we going to say, this is why we're innocent? We didn't do this? No, they boldly proclaim Jesus. Look at their response. The first thing that Peter says is he says, we must obey God rather than men. He says, yeah, yeah, you know, you did tell us to stop preaching in Jesus' name. But he says, we are bound to obey God first. This is similar to what Peter told the court in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. And so Peter and the apostles, they're on on the mission of God. He's told them to know Christ and to make Christ known. He's given, God's given them that mission to spread the gospel throughout Jerusalem and Samaria and all Judea and to the ends of the earth. And they can't obey the high priest because that would cause them to stop obeying Jesus Christ. And so they have to choose to obey God rather than men. 
And look, look what Peter says next in front of the ruling council. He says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. See, I love, I love that, that Peter includes, includes the statement of you killed him by hanging him on the tree. Remember, the, the high priest says, don't put this man's blood on us. And Peter's kind of ticking the knife in and he's kind of twisting it and saying, no, you killed this man by hanging him on the cross. And he continues and said, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Lord and Savior. You see, God honored Jesus and put him at the place of honor on his right hand. And the God whom the high priest says he worships, that God who the high priest says he's following is honoring Jesus at the very moment. And this high priest is telling the apostles to dishonor him. God is honored. Jesus is leader and savior. And he continues, Peter continues and said, God exalted him as right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Notice here that repentance is brought and given. Peter is telling the Pharisees that you can't save yourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't earn God's approval. We don't bring anything to the equation except brokenness. It is God who loves us first. It is he who gives us repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Look, I want us to understand that you and I, we can't earn Christianity. We can't be good enough to earn God's approval. It has to be given to us. Repentance has to be given to us by God. And with that, he gives us the forgiveness of sins. We are told that by faith to receive Christ as our Savior. You see, Jesus has offered it to us. Jesus gives us repentance. Jesus gives us salvation. Jesus gives us the forgiveness of our sins. And the question is, are we going to receive him? Are we going to receive that gift? I pray that God would call you today. That today you would receive the love, the repentance, and the forgiveness of sins. I pray today that you would call out and you would receive the gift of God, of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because we can't earn it. We can't manufacture it on our own. It is a gift of God, and it must be received. And Peter concludes and says, And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You see, this bold response by Peter and the apostles, this bold response and this preaching before the court that we've seen through the mouth of Peter and the apostles, it was a result of the Holy Spirit whom God had given to those who obey him. We have talked repeatedly about how Peter, he was kind of a coward before. Peter before the servant girl, after Christ was, was arrested, Man, three times he was afraid. Three times he cowered and said, I don't know who Jesus is. I'm not a follower of Jesus because he was afraid. And now we see the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now we see Peter boldly in front of the court that holds the, the, the cords of his life in their hands. We see Peter boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ, boldly proclaiming who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. And I love this because that boldness to speak about Christ wasn't from their own power. It wasn't from their own ability. It was through the Holy Spirit. And that is the same power that God gives us today. 
that we can boldly proclaim Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The mission of God today is still available and still unstoppable through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we as a church, we need to be praying and say, God, fill us with the Spirit so that way your mission will continue right here through Restoration Church. And look at how the Pharisees responded. Verse 33 says they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Now, being a Greek expert, when it says they were enraged, it means they were PO'd. They were PO'd. It means they came completely unglued. They completely lost it. They were so angry that they wanted to kill the apostles right then and right there. But since we know that the mission of God is unstoppable, we have to know that God steps in somehow. And here we see point number three for us today. The mission of God is unstoppable through God's sovereignty over people. God has sovereignty over both believers and unbelievers. And so here God uses one of their own, one of the Pharisees' own, a religious leader named Gamaliel, who was a high-ranking teacher of the law, who was very respected by all. In fact, notably, this Gamaliel, he's known because he was a mentor to uh, a tormentor of the church named Saul of Tarsus who would become later known as a, Apostle Paul. So Gamaliel, who's controlled by God here, he can tell that this is going really bad really fast. And he says, hold on, guys, let's send the apostles out of the room. And he begins talking to the, the court. And he tells the story of two historical characters, a guy named Thetis and a guy named Judas, the Galilean. And both of these guys, they raised up a following, and they started this, this work and, and created a following and eventually it died out because it wasn't of God. And so Gamaliel says, in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them be. Because if it is of God, we can't stop it. If it's of men, it's going to die on their own. You see, God is opening a huge door here for the apostles and for the church in Jerusalem. You see, there's nothing in this world that God didn't create. There's nothing in this world that God does not have control over. And so God has anything and everything at his, at his dispensation to be used for his purposes. And here, God is using this Pharisee, this unbeliever named Gamaliel, for his purposes, so the mission of God continues. And, and, and the Gamaliel says this, he says, For if this plan is, or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to throw it, overthrow it. And this is the message of the whole passage. If it's from God, you won't be able to overthrow it because the mission of God is unstoppable. And hear this last phrase that Gamaliel said. He said, you might even be found opposing God. You see, God's mission is unstoppable. And if we're trying to get in the way of what God is doing, we might be even found opposing God. That means to be a fighter of God. This means that if you oppose the mission of God, you are a fighter of God. And now that doesn't sound like a very promising battle to be in. The Pharisees versus the creator God of the universe holds the world in, in his hands. And they've got nothing in that battle. But think about this for a second. Think about that statement. That if you were trying to change the course of what God is doing in somebody's life, you're going to be found to be opposing God. Parents, think about this. Parents, think about this. What is God doing 
in the life of your children. What is God doing in the life of your children? Because if you begin opposing it, you're going to be found opposing God. As a dad, as a dad, I want my kids to be safe. I want my kids to have everything for them. I think about, I think about those parents who send their kids overseas as missionaries. Man, I don't know. I want my kids to be safe. But you know what? If we try and oppose what God is doing, we oppose God. Husbands and wives, what is God doing in your spouse right now? What is God doing in your spouse? Because if you try and stop what God is doing, you're going to be found to be fighting against God. What is God doing in your family's life? What is God doing in the life of Restoration Church? Because if we find ourselves trying to oppose what God is doing, we're opposing God and we're trying to fight against God, the creator of the universe. That's not the kind of battle that we want to be in. So the ruling counselor, the, the courts, they took his advice. And they called the apostles in and they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. According to Jewish customs, this means that they probably gave the, the apostles 39 lashings. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Now, did you notice, we read in the beginning of the story how the angel came and released them from prison and let them go. But did you notice the angel doesn't show up this time? The angel doesn't save them from this beating. I mean, God, we've seen God do all these amazing healings. God healed all these people who were sick with all sorts of, uh, of, of ailments. But he didn't save them from this beating. Because look at these last two verses. It says, then they were left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is a Christ. See, point number four for us today. The mission of God is unstoppable through joyful perseverance. Joyful perseverance, even in the face of suffering. Verse 41 puts it into his perspective for us. They rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor. How many times can we say that of our faith? How many times can we say that we find it a joy and an honor to suffer for Jesus? How many times do we count the cost of following Christ? We begin to wonder, well, what about, our, what about my comforts? What about my desire? What about my will? I mean, our, if, we follow, if we follow Christ and if we surrender to God, doesn't that mean we're supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and happy? Isn't that what the gospel means? That once we follow Christ, everything's perfect? No. We're seeing the example of joyful perseverance. Following Christ even when things aren't perfect. There is a direct relationship between verse 41 and verse 42. Because when suffering becomes a privilege, when there's opposition to being on mission with God, when it gets tough, and when we consider it a blessing to sacrifice our all for the mission of God, then verse 42 says that the mission of God continues. The good news of Jesus Christ continues to spread you see, it is a fear of suffering. It is a fear of opposition. It is a fear of rejection. It is a fear of sacrifice. It is the fear of what can happen that silences so many 
Christians today, and we become weak, and we can't be used for the mission. But you see, Matthew says, in, in Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the apostles had been honored to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. They would not stop preaching his name and proclaiming the good news that salvation is available freely through Jesus Christ because the mission of God continues. The mission of God is unstoppable. Look, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are today. But I do know that what God is doing is unstoppable. His mission is unstoppable. Today might be the day that you surrender to this unstoppable God. Today might be the day that you look and say, man, I've had this unstoppable God chasing me. He's been drawing me. He's been following me. He's been calling me out. And maybe today is the day that you surrender to him. Today is the day that you step up and today you join his mission of knowing Christ and making Christ known. Maybe for you today, today's the day that you say, I'm ready to commit to being a part of this church. I'm ready to commit to say, God's opened the prison doors and I'm going to jump in and join this church and making Christ known throughout the Yakima Valley and throughout the world. And maybe today, to maybe today is the day that we need to be reminded or that we need to hear that the trials we are experiencing, the hard times we're going through, the suffering that you are enduring for following Christ is actually a privilege, is actually an opportunity, is actually an honor. And that God will continue to work through our joyful perseverance. Amen.